This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zaki. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda. And joining me at Road America, it is Larry Janicek for a special edition of Three Questions with Larry. Larry, thanks for joining us. Steve, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to do this on the road, overlooking Turn 14 at Road America. We get to do this in person while we have cars on the track currently. And um, so what, what do you got for the first question today? And just so our audience knows, I have no idea what you're going to ask me. And I, I don't cheat. I'm not using the Internet. And I'm not, you know, so we'll see what, what, what we come up with here. Okay, first question. Six Formula One championship winning drivers have won at least one IndyCar series race. Who are they? Wait, drivers that won Formula One championships? Yes, Formula One. World champions? Yes, world champions. Okay, let's see if I can do this in chronological order. I think we can go with um, Emerson Fittipaldi, Mario, those are the easy ones, Nigel. Uh, that's three. So we got three more. Let's see here. One, uh, Jacques Villeneuve. Yes. Uh, and let's see, moving forward. Let's see here. Nelson BK is a no. Uh, the last two won back to back here in the 500s. See, I'm awful on the new stuff. It just. A Formula One world champion. Yep. One bit. Both from the British Isles. And joining us, joining us in in the David Hobbs Mobile Studio, it is Guy Hobbs. Guy Hobbs, feel free to jump in here on this one. Oh, Jim Clark. Those are the two right there. Yeah. Okay, Jim Clark, of course, won at the 1963. Tony Bettenhausen 200 race, a very notable race. Not only was it first win for Lotus and Jim Clark at Milwaukee in an IndyCar race, USAC uh, IndyCar race, but it was also the first win for a rear engine car in national championship car racing. Absolutely, and the interesting thing, of those six drivers, five of them won the Indianapolis 500. Mario, yes. Emerson Fittipaldi, Jacques Villeneuve, Jim Clark, and Graham Hill. See, and what we like to do here is 
is this isn't just like a trivia pursuit game. We just we like to give you a little a little anecdote with the, with the answer. So uh, with Emerson, it's always interesting. You know, it, it's kind of a, the opposite of, of with Nigel Mania that we had in the states here in 1993, in which Nigel was the reigning Formula One champion. He came over, drove for Newman Haas. It was absolute chaos. And you know, I know some of the younger media people were excited. You know, with with Fernando Alonso coming and everything, but uh, uh, Nigel was but much, much, much bigger. Uh, but with uh, Emerson Fittipaldi, you know, Fittipaldi made the move and joined forces with his brother Wilson and that. Uh, how do you pronounce that guy? Cooper Cooper Sukar Racing. There you go. And uh, you know, didn't have much success there, and then did some IMSA racing, kind of retired, went away. Uh, made his millions down in uh, Brazil, and then came back and drove for a very second-rate IndyCar team at Phoenix and at Indy, then was picked up by Patrick Patrick, and really had a resurgence in his career after that in the mid-'80s. So, you know, kind of a, the opposite almost of, uh, of Nigel. Just to add, of those six drivers, Mario had 52 IndyCar wins, Emerson 22, Nigel Mansell 5, Jacques Villeneuve 5, Jim Clark two and Graham Hill one. Yeah, Graham Hill, of course, won in his first in his first Indianapolis five hundred sixty six, but actually drove uh, attempted drove one of Mickey Thompson's skates in sixty three. Did not like it. Probably not the best car for a rookie driver, rookie to oval racing. It was kind of not a good situation for him, especially that car, which was in its first year development, and. Uh, so he, he he did a smarty spun at a at a pretty hairy spin in practice. Said, you know what, I'm going to take a break from this. Came back three years later with the John Meekum team and Lola, and just uh, yeah, there was a big crash in the beginning, but uh, he you know he ran strong there and he ran a strong race. You know, granted, he wiped out a third of the car, but third of the field, I should say. But uh, you know, that was a uh, he drove a, a very competent race for his first time out. Question number two, only two African Americans have raced in the Indy 500. Who are they, and do you know what years they raced? Uh, well, Willie T. Ribs, of course, uh, made, made the race in 91 as his first year with Walker Racing. And the other one that's kind of forgotten, sadly, is, is George Mack. And George Mack pretty much came from uh, the go-kart background into the IRL when there was a lot more opportunities for especially open-wheel drivers in the early, late 90s, early 2000s when you had both Champ Car and the IRL going at the same time. So you had probably, you know, anywhere from 50 to 60 seats open or, you know, teams with cars at that time. Uh, And George Mack, yeah, drove in a few IRL races, and I want to say what 2002 was it? Yes. And uh, yeah, made a made a good showing for himself. Unfortunately, ran out of money and just kind of disappeared. But has resurfaced recently, and uh, I believe has a book out, if I recall. Oh, interesting. So look for that. Go to Amazon or something. I believe he's got a book or somebody wrote a book about him, with him or something. So go check out George Mack M A C K. Okay. Question number three. In 1988, what foreign car manufacturer joined the Indy 500 field as an engine supplier? 88? Yes. Oh, uh, you talking about Porsche? Exactly. Yeah. Now, for an extra chicken dinner, who was the driver and what was the chassis? In 88? Yes. 
well, it was initially with, uh, uh, yeah, Tailfabi, I think is what you're looking for. But Correct. Al, Al Ho- or I think it was Al Enzer actually drove the car, and Al Hobart drove the car. Al Enzer walked away from it. He said they were, it was, they actually had a Porsche chassis um, in 87, the year prior that they came in late. And late in the year, Al Enzer drove it, said this thing is awful, uh, and walked away from the program. Uh, he didn't even think they would be able to develop it into a, a you know, a, a competitive car. Al Hobart drove the car, and he was the guy kind of behind it, spearheading it. Unfortunately, was killed. Tragic plane crash uh, months later, uh, which, from my understanding, maybe guy, you can back this up. He took off, and the door flew open on his, his plane, and he went to reach back to close the door, the cabin door, and uh, the car, he lost control of the plane. And uh, any chance of knowing what the chassis was? Oh, it was a March. Absolutely. It was the only, and it was the only March chassis. Uh, March had some uh, problems that year. With, well, I should say uh, the following year in '89, it was the only chassis. Uh, March had some issues with the '88, '87 chassis. '88, a lot of people were 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 uh, kind of afraid to go in that direction, and and Lola kind of took over. Uh, IndyCar racing for a while then. In uh, 1987, Goodyear did something for the first time uh, for the Indy 500. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, the radial tire. Exactly. And there's uh, they had a lot, a lot of problems with that. And a lot of cars were hitting the wall. And that was the situation where I was talking about March. Uh, March had some issues, and the radial tires in that March chassis at Indianapolis in 87 was not a good mix. A lot of people were having issues with it. In fact, teams like Penske, Penske went back to the 86 March because it just was, uh, the, the tire reacted better to that chassis. And there was a, they had a lot of crashes. A lot of guys got hurt, uh, lower leg injuries. And, and that was, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was a uh, March they had a hard time recovering from that as a, as a manufacturer. Okay. Very good. Great. Larry. Next Larry. time we do this, we'll go to Hales Corners. Yes, Hales Corners Speedway. We'll have some fun there and uh, get a dirt burger. All right. Sounds good. Larry Janicek. We're uh, at Road America IMSA weekend, and uh, we'll talk with Guy Hobbs coming up here in just a moment. Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda. And joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline live from Road America for IMSA Sports Car Weekend, it is Guy Hobbs. Guy, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you very much and unbelievably, you're, you're the one show that has me back. <laughs> so we got the uh, WeatherTech Sports Car Championship uh, race tomorrow and uh, the Acura, Team Penske Acura prototypes have been fast uh, this weekend and uh, as we saw yesterday when we were up there you know Team Penske just you know even though the Acura is uh, it, it's a program that's going away at the end of the season uh, Team Penske just is, is a top notch organization aren't they? Uh, hello sorry Steve I missed the very last part of that 
Uh, well, just comment. just talking about Team Penske and how top notch they are, and they're, and just we, you know we were able to see up close yesterday, uh, you know, with 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 how that team is run. There's certainly a first class and operation, and they're quick this weekend, aren't they? Well, uh, the whole Penske operation obviously is uh, just beyond everybody else, and it always used to be in the IndyCar series, but the IndyCar other guys sort of caught up. But in the IMSA series, it seems to me that they have not. The other teams have not really caught up. And uh, as we saw walking around the paddock yesterday, just the, I mean, even the Penske trucks are shiny and bright and polished and uh, looking all very nice. And yes, they've come here and they're, they're pretty much been dominant, and it looks like they are going to be dominant throughout the weekend. You'll have to pardon the noise. At the moment, is the uh, Porsche. Uh, cup cars going around. Quite a good race going on. I'm in turn three at the moment. Uh, and uh, the, the, if you're coming to Road America, which I highly recommend, uh, it is a beautiful day to be at a motor race. And I believe tomorrow is going to be the same. Yeah, it certainly is. And we, it was uh, beautiful weather up there yesterday. And I uh, certainly wish I was up there uh, again uh, today. But uh, tell us about the, the, you know, with the GT cars too, you know, we're going to have Aaron Tielitz on here in just a moment with the Lexus cars. It's certainly a diverse field of GT cars out there this weekend, isn't there? A big mix of cars and a big mix of, uh, not driver skill, but just drivers and driver style. And of course, each of those cars in the GT class require a different style of driving. So I think you're going to see a lot of, I won't say taking each other out, but there's certainly a lot of pushing and shoving, particularly when they come into like turn five uh, and some of the heavier braking turns uh, around this 14 mile, uh, 14 turn track. So we're going to see some exciting races, let's put it that way. And we have a big field too, which is always good. Yeah, what uh, walking around yesterday and today, what are some of the observations you, you've kind of noticed that somebody that maybe who hasn't been up there this week or, or, or maybe up there but camping, what's some of the things that you, you've seen up there this weekend so far that, that kind of got your attention? Well, one thing that has got my attention is the fact that uh, they are racing again right away in two weeks. And I think everyone's being very careful uh, or trying to be careful with equipment. Uh, and I, from what I understand from talking to some people last night, uh, parts and part supplies and people driving parts and part supplies to various parts of the country with the COVID-19 has become an issue. Uh, it's not like they can just call up some guy in Atlanta and say, okay, drop off the gearbox. But apparently you can't, crossing state borders these days is not very easy. Uh, I would imagine even harder if you've got a truckload of parts and you've got a particularly uh, unfriendly state policeman checking on everything. Right. Uh, so there's some concern about that. Uh, I think everybody's going to kind of take it easy as far as the racing is concerned here. Try and uh, keep the car steady, strong and safe for when they go racing again next weekend. And, uh, you know, you've been coming up to Road America for many years, and what are what are some of the memories with the IMSA series that you that, that, that you have? Well, yeah, and you're right. I've been coming to Road America since 1970. Uh, and some of, some of my fondest memories of, uh, 
are the youngest memories I have of the Can-Am days. But we've certainly seen some great IMSA races. And of course, IMSA in its heyday in the early 80s. And we had all the Porsche 962s, the 956s, the Goodwrench Corvette. And a lot of the teams were made up with two or three car teams in IMSA. And of course, you had Al Holbert and Derek Bell. And a lot of people came from Europe to race in the IMSA series because it was the series to be doing at that time. And I've seen some great battles here and some great races and some great equipment. And IMSA, as we all know, kind of went through a bit of a phase and when it got taken over and they've rebuilt it and they're getting it back to where it was some years ago. And I just obviously wish them all the best of luck with it because it's, of all the racing series, it's probably my favorite series. Yeah, of course, uh, talking with Guy Hobbs live on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. And uh, Team Penske's Acura were 1-2 and two yesterday in the 2020 IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship up at Road America this weekend. And, of course, Ricky Taylor uh, posted the fastest uh, lap in the one-hour session uh, yesterday, and he'll be teaming up with uh, uh, Juan Pablo Montoya. Of course, uh, IndyCar fans and kart fans have seen him racing for many years up at Road America. And then uh, the second spot is uh, Dane Cameron, who we've had on the show, uh, along with Elio Castro Neves. Uh, so it should, certainly should be a, a interesting to see what the Acuras and the Cadillacs and the Mazdas uh, have in DP1. And, uh, you know, Mazda, of course, you know, winning last year and uh, the Acuras and, and the Cadillacs have been running very, very strong this year. Uh, who, who, who's your pick uh, uh, tomorrow in the uh, DP1s? Ah, well, I mean, it's hard to pick against Penske, isn't it, really? And the, the cars are so well prepared and look so beautiful. And of course, they've got four, at least four of the best drivers in the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, what's going to make the whole day interesting? I think it's going to be the the pit stops, uh, obviously, and the calling when you make that pit stop. And from what I understand, weather is not going to be an issue because often, you know, when when it rains in these slightly longer races, two and a half, two hour races, that can affect your um, fuel consumption, obviously, and then how you pace it out so you've got the fuel so you don't need to make the stops. But you do still have to make the driver change. Uh, and either way, that as many times as you practice a driver change and do them, that's where most of the problems always end up happening because you don't get the belts on properly or a seat doesn't move properly or and, you know, the, the fuel goes in quickly. And if, obviously, the four tires are on in seconds. Uh, so if the, whoever can limit it to the least amount of pit stops, which is the old rule of all racing, the least amount of time spent in the pits is the best. There is, but of course that's where all the action is, and it's always great to watch. It certainly is, and uh, I guess the, having the having question... been, though I will add to that, Steve, it is also yes. one of the scariest places to be if you are on a pit crew. I did actually crew for a Porsche 962 team in Europe one year. I wasn't the I was the catch can, the fuel catch can man, and I got all the lessons on what to do, how to do it. And basically, the other guy put the fuel in, and I took any the overflow. And so the first pit stop, I caught all the overflow. I was so happy, the car pulled out. And I put the can down on the ground, and I'm like, hey, how did I do? And they said, well, you did great. 
until you put the can down on the ground, and now we can't measure how much fuel we actually put in because it's all over the pit floor. So needless to say, my uh, fuel pitting mechanic uh, period didn't last too long. <laughs> Good stuff. And I guess the question, the most important question we have to ask, uh, with Guy Hobbs being up at Road America this weekend for the IMSA Sports Car Showcase, uh, what have you had a brat today? Uh, as a matter of fact, I hate to admit it, but I, I have a partner who is in line for the brats at the very this very moment. Uh, so is that yes, going to be no, brat I, number I, one? I, I will let you know in about 15 or? minutes how the brats was. We we did choose <laughs> the smallest or the the uh, the, the most uh, secret brat stand. However, there's a long line for people waiting for brats. And, of course, if you do come out and come up, make sure you bring a mask. They, everyone that comes into the track, they are taking your temperature as you enter the track. Uh, and you must have a mask. You must show that you have a mask, at least. They're not making everybody wear them. I'm just looking around me now. I don't see anyone wearing one. Uh, except for I do see a very nice golf mask that someone left at the house by mistake yesterday. Um, but, yes, they are... If you are coming, make sure you have your mask. Then, and they, if you don't have one, they do have them at the gate. They will give you a mask, and they will give you hand sanitizer at the gates too. Very good. All right. Well, Guy, we certainly appreciate you uh, taking time out of your busy schedule today and uh, giving us that live report from Road America. Looking forward to chatting with you again in the near future. Uh, coming up next on the final inspection show, we're going to talk with Aaron Tielitz, uh, who's racing in the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, driving for the AIM Vassar Sullivan Lexus team. So we'll be chatting with Aaron coming up next here on the final inspection show. Has your passion outgrown your home? A Great Midwest Bank home renovation loan may give it the space it deserves. Visit greatmidwestbank.com today. Simply local lending since 1935. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zotke here with Aaron Tielitz, friend of the show. And, of course, we'd like to also thank uh, the legendary Great Lakes Dragway along with David Hobbs Honda for their support. We're up at Road America this weekend for the IMSA weekend. And uh, I've, uh, I have I had a friend of mine say that I've been saying IMSA. That's my Wisconsin accent all this time. It's IMSA, not IMSA. My Milwaukee-ness is, is showing. Yep. So, Aaron, thanks for coming on the show again. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Pretty cool watching you a couple weeks ago down at Sebring. You and your, your a fellow driver, Jack Hawksworth, driving your Lexus to victory. Tell us about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, first of all, the team, the Ambassador Sullivan team, has just been doing a phenomenal job here uh, in 2020, getting our cars prepped after the long shutdown for Daytona and Sebring. Uh, I mean, those guys have just been killing it, you know, and it helps, it helps Jack and I when we've got, uh, you know, good equipment to drive, um, everything's been holding together and, and yeah, then Jack and I just have to do our job on the racetrack, it makes it easier. 
Yeah, it's pretty cool. Jimmy Vassar, too, uh, being part of the team, co-owner and that. Uh, how is he working with, uh, is he tutor you guys along at all, or just is there a situation where he's kind of stepped up and helped you guys out, or how does uh, that work? Yeah, I mean, Jimmy is the, the team owner, and he helps out with strategy. He, he's the gel that keeps the team together. Uh, he's not going to butt in or, or, you know, take charge of, of anything that he doesn't need to stick his head into, but if you've got questions, concerns, comments, you always bring it up to Jimmy. Jimmy's going to get the job done. And uh, working with Jack Hawksworth, we had Jack on a couple years ago when he was running with Foyt with the IndyCar Series. A very, very uh, astute driver from England. How is he working as, as, with, as a teammate? He's great as a teammate. Uh, he comes from a similar background as me coming up through the road to Indy. He knows uh, that whole system there. And so then to plop me right into uh, the the Lexus with Ambassador Sullivan with uh, Jack as my teammate, it just makes it really easy for me to, to get up to speed. Uh, to not make any silly rookie uh, mistakes yet, fingers crossed, because uh, Jack's been so helpful on, on helping me to avoid those pitfalls. And how's the transition been, you know, with you, open wheel, background, lighter cars, and, I mean, still a heavier car, but a full-body sedan. How's that transition been for you? Yeah, it's weird. It's weird at first, you know. You can't see the tires. Uh, we've got ABS. We've got traction control, a lot more bells and whistles. Uh, in the car, uh, it's also really hot in the race car. I think a lot of people might not know that, but we don't have air conditioning in GT cars, so it just gets stifling hot in there, uh, which is different from open wheel as well. But you know what? Once you once you've done a few laps, it's just another race car. Um, you know, honestly. And so, as a race car driver, you're just your job's to get the most out of it. So that's what we do. How much, you know, especially, it seems like this year especially, it seems like heat has been more of a, f- a factor with drivers. How important, like, for somebody like you, you, you do a lot of mountain biking, you're in shape. How much? How, how does that help you uh, when you're doing a race? Yeah, I mean, in sports car racing, it's not like we're being physically taxed a ton. We've got power steering, we've got ABS, we have all these assists that you'd think should make it easy to drive. But then when the cockpit gets up to 130 degrees, your body's still got to operate at a really high level when it's that hot. And so, yeah, doing a lot of um, kind of more more endurance-style training, lots of running and biking where you're hot for an extended period of time and your heart rate is is not really, really high, but just at a, a moderate rate, I think that's the best way to train for, for sports car racing. Well, you know, NASCAR legend Bobby Allison used to drive around Hueytown, Alabama in the winter. He'd roll up the windows and turn the heat on full bore. You got to. And that's how he got used to it. So is it a situation where you just – continually acclimating yourself to that weather that helps you yes yes i think i think that's a lot of it and then just the more you drive in the car and you get used to uh the temperature that's going to help you too it was a bigger shock to me last year when it was my first time in the car you know i remember getting out of the car at 12 hours of sebring last year and sticking my head in the whole ice cooler uh just just to cool off but now um you know, a little bit more used to it, a little bit more acclimated. I thought it was funny. I think it was Townsend Bell that, that mentioned somebody was getting ice and that literally poured on them. He says, that's a good idea, but only if you have a hole in the seat because you can kind of cook yourself down under. If that is that true, it gets that hot. The water, I've heard this where it feels good for a while, but that water actually turns warm. It's quite uncomfortable. Yeah, you wouldn't want to uh, take an ice bath. Uh, while you're sitting in your in your seat, okay, because uh, then the ice is just all going to melt, and then the water is going to be 130 degree water, uh, and so you don't want that either. 
Okay, and then how, how much? Okay, Indy Lights open cockpit. No, now you know with the Indy cars, they 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 have the uh the you know the, the visor and everything around the cockpit. But when you were driving last year in Indy Lights and previously, I mean, how much of a difference? I mean, is it that much of a difference cooler? Because I mean, the cars are built for the air to go over the cockpit, but there's it was that much cooler. And yeah, it, it's still it's still that much cooler. You know, your your face, your head is getting air. Air is coming in through your your helmet. Uh, you know, you're still you're still cooler, and the air is moving around you too, which is different. When you're in a closed pit, closed cockpit GT car, the air is not moving inside the cockpit. It's just stationary. You know, air is not flowing through the right. cockpit because that would be a, a aerodynamic drag if you had air. I'm trying to remember. I saw the in car, but I don't remember it now. Did you? Do you guys have a uh, the air vent going into the helmet? Yep, yep. We have an air blower that blows into our helmet. And that goes into, a, like, a cooler? Yep, it goes into a little cooler. Um, so we do get cool air that blows into our helmet, which keeps our keeps at least your your, your head uh, cool. Keep the head cool, and that helps. That helps a lot. And then if the head is cool, the body will follow, as they say. Yep. In wrestling and in uh, <laughs> in, and in racing. <laughs> yeah. So, well, Aaron, appreciate it. We're talking to Aaron Tielitz. You can see him this week at Road America, driving for the AIM Vassar Sullivan Lexus. One of the, I mean, good-looking car. It's a great-looking car, and you're not going to be able to miss it. You're gonna, you're gonna see it no matter what. There's two of them out there. There's number twelve. We like that car, but we like the fourteen car better. That's right. We like the fourteen car better. It'll have a uh, Rice Lake Wang Systems. Uh, uh, logos on the on the door and as a bumper sticker. Yeah, as we met, I, we we saw each other last week up at uh, downtown Elkhart Lake. I mentioned that uh, it was it, it was beautiful. You could see it and during the Sebring broadcast, Rice Lake. There it was. So we certainly appreciate their support and supporting your career. And uh, it's good to see you back in the car, man. I really appreciate it. It's good to be back in the car. Thanks for having me on. All right, thanks, Aaron. That's Aaron Tielitz joining us on the final inspection show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. And David Hobsonda, we'll, we'll be back after this in just a moment. Welcome back to the final inspection show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The fan, Mayor Mitch Ross here, taking the reins from Steve momentarily. We will hopefully catch up with Steve here in a couple of minutes after we hear from Michael Shank, the team owner of MSR Racing. They are up at Road America this weekend for their uh, the latest in the series in the IMSA races. And Steve caught up with him. Let's take a little bit of that interview Right now, here on the Final Inspection Show on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Steve Zotke with the Final Inspection at Road America. And we're here with team owner Michael Shank along with myself and Guy Hobbs. And, um, Michael, this is certainly a different time, a uh, different situation up here at Road America this weekend, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, lot, lot of different stuff here. Just having the, the uh, public separated from us, which is never good. And, you know, in sports car racing, we always sold the idea that we have access to the sports car teams and you know you just don't have it this year and uh hopefully it's just this year and we can all get back to normal life and um we're looking forward to go i mean I, you know we love coming here and um love the folks that support us here it's just stuck in this situation unfortunately it's like everybody else yeah it, it it certainly is and we look at you know 
with uh, NASCAR, IndyCar, and now IMSA, IMSA getting uh, involved, getting back on track, uh, and tr- basically doing the best they can with this situation. So far, the results have been, uh, I think, positive considering the situations. There's, a, there's actually good things that are coming out of it, and one of them is what I call the compaction or the compacting of the schedules. Yes. From a team point standpoint and a team like mine that has an IndyCar team, a sports car team, um, you know, shrinking the weekends and making it more efficient cost-wise is tremendous. And I think we're learning a lesson here. Started with NASCAR first to now IMSA. Of course, IndyCar is doing it even, in my mind, even a better job at this point. You know, um, uh, you just you, we take at least a day, almost two days out of the thing in the front and rear. And um, it's a huge gain for us, actually, financially and organizationally. Talking about the IndyCar series, Jack Harvey, how... How do you rate Jack? Well, that's a, that's a that's a good question. Uh, we're doing, you know, what I've always said about Jack is Jack absolutely uh, deserves to to be where he's at and get this full opportunity, and he's doing well with it. We've had a lot of speed this year. We haven't had we've had we had a couple good results at Iowa, but you could easily argue that we would have uh, five top fives right now. We were positioned to have five top fives, and through no fault of Jack or ours. Um, it didn't work out that way. So, you know, we just keep, you know, keep hitting it. We got a technical alignment with uh, Andretti's, which is proving to be very good for us right now. Um, going to Mid-Ohio, doing a double race at Mid-Ohio next weekend, which is my home track and place that Jack's traditionally been pretty strong and the Andretti cars have traditionally been very good. So I think we have a lot to live for on that program, and Jack is doing a great job. I mean, he's He's literally getting stronger and stronger every time we roll off the trailer. So um, we uh, we had a tough start. We had you know three seventeenth places because all this just different crap that happened to us. So um, still feel pretty good. About, I feel really good. The guys are awesome over the wall. Our pit lane speeds as good as anybody that's been doing it for twenty years. So um, I, there's a lot of positives in that deal. Steve Zotke, Guy Hobbs, talking with Michael Shank of the IMSA weekend here up at Road America. Guy, do you have one more for uh, Michael? I do not. Uh, just, Michael, final question. Uh, the health of the IndyCar series and uh, uh, IMSA series, uh, what, what, what's, your, uh, what's your opinion on that? Um, so, I, uh, both of them are very strong. I think, um, and for different reasons potentially, but... Uh, I think the new. I think we're starting to see a rotation of uh, our world, and I just don't think it. Everyone sees it of electric, right? So we're going to have hybrids coming both series very soon. Um, I think IndyCar was on a specifically very good trajectory um, before COVID hit. Uh, on a positive note, IMSA is also. It's just a different kind. Um, you know, I think we're going to. I think both look positive. I think both need to respond to the current times with not only the, the pandemic we had, but also where the car trends are going in the manufacturing world. And I think it's important that we get on electric stuff as soon as we can. Not full electric, but some kind of dual point hybrid system. And I think it's important that we do that to make it uh, important for the OEMs. Um, both are in great shape. Both have a good following and nothing gets stronger. But I will say this. I think it's important that the sanctioning bodies work together, NASCAR, IMSA, IndyCar, yes. and do these combined shows that give people reasons to come out for events. You know, Friday night could be IMSA, IndyCar Saturday, NASCAR Sunday, vice versa. I think it would give a lot more value to the cl- to the people that come and watch us when we're eventually allowed to have full staff again. I think it's really important 
that we create new opportunities for people to come to races and, I, and excuses to come to races. And I think combin, combining some of that uh, could be a great thing. We've been a big proponent on that show for a while that, you know, they, instead of revealing each other as adversaries, they need to team together for the overall health of motorsports. Final question, have you had a brat this weekend? Not, but I, I'm right there. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm 50 feet from the brat station, so I'll have a couple with sauerkraut, I hope. All right, Michael Shank, appreciate it. Best of luck this weekend. All right, you got it. Thank you. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. And some breaking news on the fan, of course, brought to you by Pennzoil Motor Oils, made from natural gas. The proof is in the Pennzoil. And Mitch, uh, Mayor Mitch Ross joining me. Uh, and it's uh, Brewery's outfielder Lorenzo Kane opting out of the MOB season. And uh, it certainly, I guess it's not a surprise uh, no. that a, a player has opted out, but maybe uh, certainly uh Kind of a blow to the Brewers, isn't it? It's just a blow to baseball, I think, in general. I mean, this thing has slowly unraveled this week, right? I mean, and here we are. I guess maybe the Brewers had avoided any trouble until until yesterday morning. But now mm-hmm. Lorenzo Cain, amid all this, um, you know, trouble, I guess, and, and, and scares with COVID and nothing that we know of is in the Brewers' clubhouse. But he is kind of the biggest name since – the game started to just say, you know what? I'm done. Um, I'm done with this. And, and a lot of people are thinking Steve right now, Ryan Braun might be right behind him. Um, Ryan Braun had some very interesting comments earlier in the week saying he was essentially very uncomfortable with, you know, doing a lot of the day to day that these baseball players have done. And a lot of them aren't doing a good enough job. And, and, and maybe that at the very least that will change at this point. I think with the Marlins, obviously, you know, Steve, I just, I figured it would happen. It just stinks that it, it happened in, you know, baseball could be done after one week. Yeah, it's certainly frustrating. You know, when you see, you know, you have a team like the Brewers who seem to be appear, appear to be playing by the rules than you have the Cardinals if the reports are true that they were at a casino yeah. and, and, and not doing what they were supposed to be doing with the social distancing and whatnot. And certainly with all the positive tests and the rumors over on the Marlins organization too, it certainly shows maybe the, the how the NBA is doing it with their bubble, which received some criticism at at first, but seems to be the right way to go at this point. Yeah, I mean, it is, but it, it's tough for, for baseball and, gosh, the NFL. You know, I mean, it's going to be – there's no way they can do a bubble. The, I mean, the, the, I think the thing the NFL has going for it is that they only play once a week. So guys are going all as one. They'll have a traveling party, I'm sure. They'll probably go for what th- you know three days max to that to that city, and then they return back to their home city. But again, I mean, you know, when, when you're in a full bubble like the NBA is, you can control what these guys are doing, um, for the most part, 24/7. So mm-hmm. you can't do that really with these other sports, and we're we're seeing the uh, the downfalls of that at this point. And baseball's in real trouble. Well, it'll be interesting to see what uh, Commissioner Rob Manfred does if there's I any don't trust him. Ancient- yeah, if there's going to be sanctions for, you know, the Cardinals or the Marlins for them not, you know, going by the rules and 
and putting the, not only the organization but the team there, the game itself, in, in jeopardy. And it's certainly frustrating from a fan point of view, uh, seeing what's happening with the Cardinals and the Brewers this soil weekend. Right, and that's going to do it for the final inspection show, Steve. All right. Thank you. Appreciate, uh, of course, uh, Josh Blicky coming on the show along with Guy Hobbs, Aaron Tielitz, Michael Shank, and, of course, Dennis Michelson and the Polish pipe on Jeff Berlowski. We'll chat with you next week on the Final Inspection Show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.